0: Hi friends! Welcome to the Reside Podcast. Here we celebrate stories of individuals creating community in their own spaces. I'm Brooke, your host. Cultivating community is something I am so passionate about, which is why I created this podcast. Life isn't meant to be lived alone, and I hope you leave each episode feeling encouraged to make your own space a better place for everyone, and ultimately, know you aren't alone in your journey. On today's episode, I'm talking to lead roaster of Clio Roasting, Vivian Wynn. Starting out as a barista, Vivian's roasting journey began as a point of curiosity as they sought to discover the details of where their cup of coffee came from and the work it took to get coffee into the hands of the consumer. From there, Vivian's taken a lead to create a coffee culture that fosters community and togetherness all the way from the farmer to the barista. Whether swinging by a Starbucks on the way into a busy day at the office, meeting a friend at a local coffee shop to catch up on life, or brewing at home on a slow Saturday morning, coffee is something that has made its way into being an integral part of everyone's lives. Hearing about Vivian's coffee journey gave me a new appreciation for how that simple cup of coffee fosters community both locally in the spaces we're in and across the globe. With that being said, y'all, let's jump into my conversation with Vivian. Vivian, hi. Welcome to the Reside podcast. Thanks so much for being on today. Hi. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm excited. We were talking just before this about how amazing the weather is right now. And so what a, you know, I couldn't think of a better Friday afternoon activity with the sun shining. And I have my cup of Cavo coffee that I've made at home and getting to talk with you about all things coffee. Ah, I love it. Yes.
1: Yeah,
0: cheers. <laughs> cheers. Yeah. Maybe you can just start out with telling me about who you are and then kind of walking me through your journey with all things coffee and how you got to where you're at right now and all of that good stuff.
1: Um, hi, uh, I'm Vivian. Uh, I <laughs> I am the lead roaster at Cleo Roasting Company. It is a company coffee company based here in Houston, Texas. I have been roasting for about three years now. In roasting terms, that's just like yeah, that's just I'm barely I barely started. There's still so much more. And then I was a barista for about five years. And then before that, I've been you know service industry person. I was bartending and like all of that, and then found coffee and decided to stick with it as a career choice. And it's such a great journey so far. So
0: you've been roasting for three years and you were baristing beforehand. What made you transition? What kind of sparked your interest or transitioned you from being a barista to roasting?
1: I was really curious about where the coffee I was grinding up and, you know, uh, smashing up where it was coming from and how it got to be the way that it is what really sparked my interest into like becoming a barista was like every morning I'm like how do I how do I make this and how do I get paid to learn how to make this mm. so and then like I was just like you know I'm going to I'm going to f- find a job in coffee and just like go at it and then the same thing like as a barista is just like oh wow where was it before mm. I had it. And yeah, that was just the tip of an iceberg. There's mm. this, like this huge world underneath it all and behind it all.
0: So give me a little glimpse into that. You said it's the tip of the iceberg and you wanted to find out, you know, this cup of coffee that you're drinking every day, like the history behind it and where it's coming from and all of that. So when you started exploring what did you find
1: before it gets to the consumer it is it came from the barista and before the barista it came from the roaster but like yeah before it got to the roaster it came from the ship you know it came from like a cargo ship on the sea uh and then before that it was at like you know milling factories and stuff and processing factories and then before Mm. that it was farmers were literally. Lugging all of this coffee from their farm to the processing factory, or if mm-hmm. they have like a place if the farmers have you know the means to have the processing unit in on their property, then like yeah, it goes there yeah it it's just yeah, and then before all of that, it was just like a little seed, and it takes five it takes five years for coffee to actually like create a cherry and for a coffee plant to mature.
0: Whoa, Uh, so beginning to end, I mean, that's, yeah, that's quite some time from like producing the cherry all the way to the cup of coffee that we're drinking. That's pretty incredible. That gives me a new like appreciation for it. (laughs) Right. Right? (laughs) Something that you said just in your email really stuck out to me. You said that coffee is a universal product that influences and unites communities all over the world. That is super profound. And I don't think that a lot of people have that mindset when they're like stopping by a coffee shop or making their own cup in the morning. Can you kind of tell me what you mean, you know, what you meant by that? And how have you seen that play out in your own experience?
1: And part of the journey that I am learning is currently is sourcing coffees. And Hmm. basically, like going through this rigorous like, you know, systematic tasting method, but then also talking to my traders who are in communication with the farmers, you know, and the traders can be from all over and then they Mm -hmm. are in direct relationship with the farmers. And then it's awesome to like also talk with farmers and try coffees The farmers would come up here and then give me their product. And then like, just like, you know, we're connecting with, just over a cup of coffee about coffee and just about like just from that level and like yeah it's awesome and then just connecting the baristas that are you know because my facility is connected to a coffee shop and then like connecting the baristas to the farmers it's like it's awesome and it's a it's a beautiful like from the beginning to end meeting each other, you know? Um, There's so many different ways to consume coffee too. So like Mm. every different region of the world and every culture has their own way of making Mm. coffee. And it's awesome to like, you know, share my, you know, way, which is, you know, I grew up with Vietnamese coffee coming from a Vietnamese household and then sharing that with my friends who grew up drinking Turkish coffee. Yeah. connecting with different cultures with coffee in that way by sharing how we traditionally consume things.
0: Mm, That's pretty incredible. It's, It's one of the commodities that consumed all over the world, but in so many different methods and ways, uh, depending on the culture and where you're at and all of that. I'm reading a book right now about the origins of coffee just like in general. And this historian like tries to pinpoint like the exact like discovery of coffee all the way back to Kaffa in Ethiopia. And yeah. I was, I don't know, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to read about and to think about. Um just the journey that you know, the drink has been on even in itself.
1: Right. Like the whole trading around the world, European colonization just like took it from coffee in Ethiopia, like just everywhere. And like now we just, we have this product that wakes the world (laughs) up every morning, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And that is one thing about coffee too. It's just like Mm -hmm. we're a huge family and we're here to support one another.
0: What is, yeah, what does that look like once you, like, what does kind of the coffee network look like in Houston? Oh, it's a
1: it's a pretty, I'd like to say it's pretty tight. I get my own little coffee community here, like, and like, we're like one big family. One of the roasters at Boomtown, we kind of like grew up in coffee together. And then, oh, cool. yeah, so it's really awesome to just, you know, connect with them like, hey, how is your roasting journey going? Like, I've got these mm-hmm. questions, you know, you wanna help me out with like, yeah. And then I have other friends where it's just, yeah, it's great and just trading coffees as well. And like, I love, yeah, I'll meet up with them every week, just to <laughs> sit down and chill and just talk about coffee. Yeah, that and like it, the
0: best thing ever,
1: <laughs> right? And we there used to be competitions around when gatherings was a thing before COVID. Mm.
0: BC, <laughs> uh, oh my gosh, <laughs> I love that. That's hilarious. It? BC
1: twenty nineteen, <laughs> we uh, like we had friendly competitions. We had like little forums and panels that we'd all gather at, and like community it was very strong. So, uh, but now everything's moved on the internet. So like we're just, you know, chatting on the internet.
0: Speaking of BC before COVID, coffee, like I think most people, when they think about it, they think, you know, gathering in coffee shops or gathering in someone's home to share a cup of coffee. Like it's a very communal thing. Like it unites and brings people together. How have you seen that change? Or maybe it hasn't because of the pandemic. What did What did that community look like over the past year?
1: To be honest,
0: it's like catching
1: each other for a a two-go cup, like, hey, wait in line together and uh, we'll part ways, (laughs) six (laughs) feet apart. Uh, Yeah, right now I just, I I feel like everything is on the internet uh, with Instagram and Facebook, that's really keeping us together. Pretty awesome, like when all of this started, there were like community food banks and like stuff to help struggling baristas that have been furloughed or like, you know, lost their jobs. And like, there are, there were community efforts to, you know, help. And like, I guess that was uh, how we gathered. Yeah. I, it's been, it feels like years ago. <laughs> like, Honestly.
0: Uh, <laughs> I'm like, it's hard I'm like, to imagine <laughs> like life for <after> it even. <laughs> right. It sounds like in in thinking about like how the pandemic is shaping kind of the community around coffee, it sounds like almost it's even just like made it stronger with like everything that you just mentioned, honestly.
1: Yeah, it, it is. I mean, like and, you know, right now there are some shops that are opening up in the middle of all of this and they are built mm-hmm. out for a pandemic. I mean, like just because there's people still need their coffee. So, like, I'm glad that. <laughs> yeah i'm I'm glad that shops are opening up and then like helping a community and giving back to the communities that they are in. Yeah.
0: This is kind of a good transition into talking about the values of clear roasting. You know, one of them is community and y'all also have values around sustainability and fair trade and quality. Can you talk a little bit about like the importance of those things um in your roasting and in the relationships that you guys have with? beginning to end, like supply chain and and all of that good stuff?
1: Yeah, well, like how that goes into my roasting is it most importantly is like it has to do with sourcing my coffees and how I choose to source my coffees. And like, Mm. you know, basically, like I like to go through little mom top traders because they are directly working with the farmers and the money that I spend on the coffees we will go back to the farmers to help improve their product and, you know, provide an education for their family and like, will make their work life a lot easier. You know, uh, picking coffee on a farm is not as easy as it sounds, <laughs> but uh, so just like helping improve their quality of life and like, you know, and that is, and I believe in that. And therefore, you know, I roast that coffee and, give it to the baristas mm. to brew to give to the consumers. And they shared that story of how like mm. the coffee got to there and yeah, traceability is, is really important
0: what would you recommend to people who on the consumer end are considering like what you know what coffee beans to purchase when they're in a store or going to a different shop you take the time to like source ethically and how how do people look for signs of good coffee in that regard
1: yeah before you know by let's see it takes if I don't know anything about a company, I will most definitely in like, you know, I'm at a grocery store I look there is this uh fair trade uh label, which is just like a certification. And if you talk mm-hmm. to any small roaster such as Boomtown or yeah, Cleo, they it's it's technically all like direct trade and everything. Yeah. Fair trade, it is a certification yeah. to guarantee that like it went through all of this stuff. And then, yeah, so when picking out coffees, I look for like, hey, what do I, what am I into with as far as tasting profiles? You know, if I want something nutty and chocolatey, I go towards the, you know, Guatemalan coffees. And Mm. yeah, just basically reading the stories because usually there are uh, roasters will showcase the farmers and the producers and the, the little details of you know, the copies and how the coffee got to the shop.
0: So yeah, yeah. Just, I like reading the packaging. And, you know, I hear you saying like shopping local too, like buying from your local roaster or whatever that looks like. You were talking a little bit about flavor profiles as you got into your roasting journey. How has that like kind of developed for you and evolved as you're like picking out different, you know, sourcing different coffees to roast. And I don't know, can you kind of like, give me a little glimpse into what that journey is like for you? It's um, basically lots of tasting and just being aware of like the palate
1: and, and then different origins have their specific, you know, profiles, Uh, Guatemalan's nutty and chocolatey, Ethiopia's like, you're going to get tea-like and berries. Um, and then Kenya, mm. you're going to get like that nice acidity to a Kenyan coffee. Um, and yeah, there's coffee from all over. i take a look at that. Like, Hey, I want something nice and fruit bomb. Right. So I'm going to go for, I'm going to ask for a whole bunch of samples of, a uh, Ethiopia naturals, which is a, mm. a specific way of pro- processing coffee where the cherry dries on the seed before the seed is removed. washed so and therefore makes it a lot sweeter and then a little bit lower in acidity Mm. natural coffees yeah and it becomes it's those are really nice fruit bombs and like yeah just tasting just going through tasting coffees and talking with my colleagues about like what we taste you know bonding over that that's the fun part of the job.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a ton of fun. What would you define as kind of your personal, the flavor profile that you tend to gravitate towards that you personally enjoy and like to um, roast? Oh my gosh. Uh, I, I like
1: all of them. But right now there <laughs> is this coffee. <laughs> I can't be biased. That's so hard. <laughs> I do go through like, you know, flavors of the month and everything. Uh, and I am all about coffees from Panama right now. Um, yeah, there is this. Uh, I bought this coffee that from Panama, and it is a Geisha varietal, which is this amazing, beautiful like varietal of coffee. Um, and it is just, It tastes. It's so good. The body of it. It's like so smooth, like satin, and like it's got this nice green tea to it, and like this nice fruitiness to like a great journey every time and i'm all about like right now i am really focused
0: hyper focused on texture of coffees, like how the beans actually like physically feel how the coffee actually feels when you drink like it when it's
1: yeah when i'm drinking it so Interesting. yeah uh and that is just how you know the co- coffee is grown what type type of coffee it is the processing That and the density that all has to do Mm -hmm. with how the coffee feels and how the coffee was brewed as well. Yeah, I go through different phases of different profiles and then like what I am, what part of coffee I'm hyper focused on. Mm
0: -hmm. Do you kind of have an idea of the end game of how you want the beans to turn out after you know when you start roasting them, when you buy them and source them? I
1: have a bullseye like point of where i want the coffee to end up as far as tasting wise but okay. uh it's gonna it's gonna take months or not months but like weeks of roasting it to actually like pinpoint it perfectly mm-hmm.
0: okay and, and so yeah
1: the area
0: that you're shooting for
1: and then like yeah, I'm always trying to aim for the middle, but there's always so many different factors that can mm-hmm. you know prevent me from doing that, or like I gotta change up. And then the ways to approaching the middle is uh, ideally should be consistent and the same, but like it can be totally different depending on the weather, like especially mm-hmm. when I'm roasting, if it's like that freeze, like just kind of like oh, you know. made roasting (laughs) last a lot longer than as opposed to roasting in the summer. The ways of approaching the bullseye is different, but like it is totally achievable and consistency can be approached.
0: So even just roasting like in Houston, Texas versus roasting, you know, talking about Oregon, but not really, but like, you know, up in like Oregon where, you know, we're in the north where it's colder. So we could assume that the coffee would taste different depending on where it was roasted, even in the weather. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. And water. Water has a lot to do with it too. Mm. Weather, elevation, kind of
1: like the same, you know, how water boils differently at a higher elevation than here in Houston uh, or like in Texas. So like those... The same rules apply to roasting okay. coffee and uh, how we store coffee, how coffee is brewed. So, mm. And yeah, uh, like you can take my coffee up to Oregon and it would taste completely different up there than it would down here.
0: That's pretty cool. So you have a unique taste and a unique roast each time you're doing it, which is really Neat,
1: but the goal is consistency and finding a way to achieve that. Mm -hmm. There's something that yeah, so and it's just by rigorous tasting and note taking. It's a fun science experiment.
0: So you're three years in. Where do you see? yourself going in terms of your career with coffee or just not career but journey with coffee um, as you progress forward?
1: I hope to be able to you know be connected with the farmers and actually like be a step closer to the plant and the soil where the plant came from and learning how basically or the culture of it how it grows and everything um, more detailed effort yeah. of that and then um also going back to trading and helping the farmers out and achieving the best coffee that they can grow so like the consumers can enjoy wake up to the best cup of coffee and start their their morning like that. I don't know, like it's uh it's pretty there's so many different roads that I can take. Mm-hmm. I thought I was gonna be like a when I was a barista I didn't expect myself to be here in the seat as a lead roaster.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, Vivian, thanks so much for being on the Reside podcast. This is might be like one of my favorite episodes or like recordings so far, just getting to talk about coffee and dive more in it with you. And I mentioned this to you previously, but moving back to Houston after moving away for um, a couple of years, the beans that we purchased from Cleo definitely – helped me build my sense of what community looked like upon moving back to Houston. So I'm appreciative of you and the work that you're doing and for how it's helping me even build community. Thank you for (laughs) supporting and
1: like, yeah, without you guys, I, yeah, we wouldn't be here.
0: I cannot imagine starting my day out any other way than with a warm cup of coffee. And it was such a delight to take a step back and think through the impact that such a simple, everyday activity has on fostering a sense of community. So today I'm leaving you with a challenge. I challenge you, my listener, to be curious about your surroundings. Take the time this week to be thoughtful about your everyday activities. And appreciate the little piece of community they create for you in your own life. Be sure to connect with me on Instagram at ResidePodcast and let me know what activities you have found and appreciated that are creating community for you. Guys, thanks for listening to the show today. I hope it leaves you feeling challenged and encouraged to cultivate community in your own space. And know that I'm cheering you on in that. The podcast has a new episode every other Wednesday. Follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss another show. And guys, I hope the show builds you up and is helping you create community in your own space. If that's the case, be sure to rate the show on Apple Podcasts so that others can discover the show as well. Don't miss the next episode of Reside Podcast on Wednesday, June 23rd with Susie Daly, creator of Renegade Craft Fair. Until then, y'all, I hope you have a wonderful week. Cheers!